welcome to The Fleet Code, a podcast brought to you by Fleetio, where we dive into the latest fleet trends, technologies, and best practices. I'm Zach Searcy, and I don't know if you've noticed, but inflation has been kind of crazy lately, and it's had me thinking a lot about how we in fleet can respond to the economy when it fluctuates outside of our control. Budgeting is already hard enough to begin with, so what does it look like when you start to factor in inflation? Here to answer that question is Tim Denny, the CEO of Onward Fleet Solutions. Tim spends a lot of his time helping fleets optimize their operational processes based on his own years of navigating budgets as a fleet manager. Let's jump into our conversation and get you a few tips on how to reduce fleet operating costs in the midst of a, we'll call it less than ideal economy. So with the current economic uncertainty and the inflation that we're seeing around the world, we know that a lot of fleets are planning for a reduced operating budget in the coming months, or they're already dealing with tightened budgets. And that's why we reached out to you, Tim. Thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. Glad to be here. Awesome. Awesome. So I'd love to just start out. I'd love to learn a little bit more about yourself and your path to Onward Fleet Solutions. Oh, wow. I'm going to do that in, in less than a couple of minutes is my goal. But real quick, Cliff Notes version, um, was born in Southern California, moved to Oklahoma when I was 13 and really had aspirations to be a competitive bowler, which was kind of interesting. And then ultimately I worked for a large energy company called Chesapeake Energy from 1996 to 2014. I took over managing the vehicle fleet at just 300 units. Grew it to its peak of over 7,000 in 17 states over the next several years. And we did that and almost seemed like overnight. And so I was there at Chesapeake 18 years. Again, loved fleet, went to, had an opportunity at um, a large automotive retail group that had 17 rooftops in the state of Oklahoma. So definitely one of the largest and had some great executive experience in automotive retail for about five years. And so in 2019, I knew automotive retail was probably not going to be my future and was looking for an opportunity that would allow my passion and experience to help add value to others. And so hence the launch of Onward Fleet Solutions in January of 2020. That's awesome. So I obviously want to ask so many more questions about your competitive bowling career, uh, but unfortunately, that's a different podcast. And so, that, exactly. so with that, uh, was there something that you saw that made you specifically see a need for Onward Fleet Solutions? Was there a gap or a specific need that you observed? Great question. So I really felt at the time, and I worked with a lot of fleet management companies. Obviously, if you're the leader of over 7,000 vehicles or assets, you were getting a lot of calls from a lot of FMCs in the space. And so I worked with a couple, I had conversations with several. And I think for me, it was more, you know, folks talk about customized solutions. It was more understanding different industries and everybody operates a little differently. While the fundamentals are the same across industries, there is a level of uniqueness. And so for us, the goal was really to stay nimble and be ready to accommodate and have different playbooks for all of our clients and still be effective. So a lot of people say that when they're launching, I'm going to scale, but yet I'm going to continue to customize. And so for us, it was just, I wanted to be great in every solution area 
And I didn't want to jeopardize being average, which would then jeopardize a couple of the areas where we were great in. And I just felt the opportunity that was out there. It's very complex. There's a lot to navigate, but I love the complexities of it. So that being said, I felt like there just wasn't one unique FMC out there that could accommodate and be great. And so for us, we've done that by launching with some great strategic partnerships. And then having the experience internally on our staff as well to provide that extra value to our clients. So speaking of your clients, uh, which fleets benefit the most from a partnership with a fleet consulting partner like Onward? Yeah, so I would say when we go out and talk with folks, it's from a handful of vehicles. So I like to say 10 or more up to several thousand. Obviously, there's a niche out there for under 100 assets where folks and and I kind of made a career out of this, right? Like, oh, wow, maybe Tim has some bandwidth and he can absorb this and then he can absorb this. And next thing you know, I blink and 10 years go by and and I've got experience managing, you know, several areas. And so for us, there is a great niche on under 100 units. Usually folks don't have dedicated expertise on staff for that as they're growing. Usually it's an office manager that may handle some of the responsibility. Sometimes it's the executive who is technical and and loves fleet and wants to manage it. But at the end of the day for us, it's taking that burden off, being an extension of the companies and letting us be the expertise and it allows us to scale up and scale down as needed. But yeah, so hopefully that addresses your question. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense to me. We, I mean, obviously have talked to a lot of fleets who are, the person was put into a fleet management position just kind of by proxy. Like it was not what they were pursuing. It just happened. Um, And so it makes sense that in that situation, you'd benefit from a partner who has that direct fleet experience that they could leverage and help guide you. You bet. If a fleet comes to you looking for ways to reduce their operating costs, what are some of the first places that you look? Um, Really understanding if the company even knows what they're spending on vehicle fleets. Typically, when we go to onboard a client, we have an onboarding checklist where we're requesting some information. But we know a lot of times the reason they're engaging us is because they don't have all of this information in in one spot. So for us, it's really a combination of grabbing the information that they may have and how they're tracking and, and understanding their fleet operations and then really grabbing all the data that that most people don't think about. Most people just focus on maintenance and purchasing costs and fuel costs, but there's a lot more to it. And so really um, we are a data driven, data recommended organization. We let the clients bring as much emotion into that final purchasing equation as they want to, but for us, it's data driven. And so really, again, going through that comprehensive onboarding process, understanding what they are really spending, and then having a tool to allow that visibility at a one-stop shop is super important. So people can make quick informed decisions without having to open up, you know, seven or eight different spreadsheets or their own asset management system. And so again, for us, it's just visibility into all of those operating costs. Yeah. So you mentioned, I mean, of course, they're the main data points that everybody's pulling in. Uh, So you've got maintenance and fuel and things like that. What are some other points that you're looking into? Really, it goes from we talked about fuel and maintenance. Those are the two most common most people. But there's insurance costs, which are obviously on the rise. There's tolls. There's GPS telematics. There's accidents, there's licensing, registration, renewals, there's certifications. So we tend to make a great living focusing on the pennies because the pennies add up to dollars and the dollars add up 
to tens and hundreds and then thousands of dollars. And so for us, it's just making sure that there's some awareness for each of our clients in each of these little areas and we should not lose sight of the smaller areas. But again, that's what we do. That's our core competency. Most of our clients, it's not their core competency. If you're a construction company or you're an office equipment solution provider, focus is in fleet management. And so there's a lot of relatability, I think, with our backgrounds and diverse experience. We can go into a client and we can relate to construction management. We can relate to office equipment and office solutions. And so I, I think, again, that's another key differentiator for us is really that relatability as we sit down and talk with each of our clients. Yeah, yeah. I mean, of course, being a fleet management software, Fleetio, we love anybody who's data driven. We love focusing on the metrics because we do know that that's where you get insights into what your fleet is doing at a deeper level than just being able to walk out into the shop and see everything. And so, yeah, it's. I mean, it sounds like what you're saying is just the most important thing is getting visibility into those metrics and into that data. Absolutely. So speed of transaction is also super important. Um, going back to you know, one of the challenges you talked about and, and why onward is imagine the, the folks out in the field are the revenue generators and the guys and gals at the corporate office do not want to slow down and have someone waiting a lengthy amount of time, could be as much of a couple hours for someone to approve a maintenance request. And so it's, it's really great. Your, your solution is, is fantastic and allows that quick visibility to make quick decisions. Well, I appreciate that. I um, I promise I was not fishing for compliments there. But, I, it's okay. But we'll, yeah. we'll take I don't a, give them out freely, oh, Zach. God. I do not give them out freely anyway. So, yeah. So once a fleet's identified some of their places that they might be overspending, are there steps that they can take to start reducing those expenses? What does that next step look like? Yeah. So for us, you know, a lot of clients may not have any benchmarking data. So we have to use some industry specific information. And so we've seen it where, you know, we've onboarded a hundred unit client and they got a spreadsheet with vans and that's about it. You know, what is your, what is your cost per mile? Um, and then they, you kind of get the deer in the headlight look. And so some clients it's, Hey, it's going to take us a while, um, to have some data in the system and what this, dashboard looks like today will look completely different there. And ultimately, as we're going through that onboarding process, we're communicating, we're asking questions. So we try to really understand the culture, the operations, the needs of each of our clients. And then we slowly but surely bring in some recommendation. And you know, once you start having data, there's always some low hanging fruit. Are we gonna go grab that initially if a company's using a purchasing card and they have a significant fuel spend and we're able to you know, put them on a program to help them lower those expenses overnight, then yeah, we're gonna do that. But we're gonna make recommendation. We, we tend to go with a little softer approach, but really it's understanding that data, making recommendations. It's, you know, even getting this granular. We do, we are really rigid when it comes to quarterly business reviews. If we feel like there's an opportunity for clients to make some changes quicker, then we'll do monthly initially. We take a very proactive approach on a daily, weekly, monthly basis with looking at the data. There's a lot of data in fleet management and we love it. I mean, we have some great data analysts on our team that help filter that and, and really provide that awareness to our clients. So I like the core of what you're saying there, which is essentially that you gather this data, you might find a couple of things that you can do in the short term to start making a change, but you should also be realistic in how long it's gonna take you to really start finding opportunities to cut costs, but then also for those cost cutting measures to start taking effect. 
Sure. No, that's that's a great point. Really, I sound like a broken record, but it, it just all comes down to the data yeah. and what you're building with that data. Yeah, same. And we love it. <laughs> we love data. It's been about a decade since fleets have really faced the effects of inflation, at least to this degree. So for anybody who wasn't in the industry or is new to a decision-making position right now, what are some impacts that they should expect to their fleet operations? You know, there's a lot of beliefs out there, but we believe that there's still going to be some continued turbulence over the next 12 to 18 months. And you will have some leveling with supply and demand, which obviously is not only a contributor to some of the new vehicle delays, but obviously labor shortages and parts delays. So so we're asking our clients to keep their vehicles a little longer, um, so extend their life cycle a little bit. But at the same time, fleets have not prepared to have a, a large percentage of spare vehicles. I think that percentage is increasing a little bit, but ultimately it goes back to understanding what the key requirements are, understanding what the budgets and forecasts are of a company and then coming up with a unique customized solution. And that could be a combination of both. It could be switching and being open-minded to different OEM brands, right? Based on production schedules, pricing and availability. It could be extending life cycles. It could be a combination of both. And so we also use the word hybrid. We realize that every situation is a bit unique. And we try to really stay ahead of production windows and making sure when the OEM production ordering windows open, you know, we're the first in line with our hands up and, and we're ready to go with purchase orders and whatever else is required these days. Because what used to take us a few minutes to go find a vehicle is not that easy anymore. Taking a passive approach in this environment will get you run over in a hurry. Yeah. So supply chain and labor shortages, those are obviously things that it's kind of a unique hurdle to have in addition to economic instability. And with that, some people are having to deal with things that they haven't dealt with historically even. What are some specific things that you're seeing fleets do from a budgeting perspective? Uh, are they shifting some of their purchasing dollars over to maintenance or what are you seeing from that side? Yeah, I think folks are still trying to purchase as many units as they possibly need. When we're communicating with our clients, and, and this is about us, but I think it gives some good perspective, we're able to do some great mileage projections based on average miles driven per day. And, and we're advising lean a little longer term. So don't just focus on what units need to be replaced in the next six months. Focus on what units need to re be replaced in the next 12 months. Really try to get ahead of that. And then ultimately finding that balance and those budgets that could then be allocated toward the maintenance. Because we all know as vehicles start aging, larger expenses start to surface. You're not going to sit. Most people aren't, um, you know, not going to go to the doctor for five or six years. They're going to want to be proactive, taking care of their health. And, and we think the same thing for, for vehicles. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So if fleets are managing their maintenance in-house or if for any fleets that have to procure more than just assets, is there a way that they can avoid some of the inflated material costs that are coming due to like surge pricing or are there steps that they can take to stay ahead of the curve when it comes to asset and material availability? Sure. And again, I think that the one thing if, that I can communicate and hopefully resonates with a lot of folks is be open-minded, think outside the box, right? We're all accustomed. We've ordered these specific parts from a certain supplier for the last 20 years. 
And ironically, we have a few clients where we have some really good wholesale relationships that allow a still providing a quality product for some cost savings discounts. And even companies that haven't typically wanted to do some of the smaller things internally are now more open-minded in order to have some cost savings. But we do run across those larger operations, especially ones who are managing more medium duty, heavy duty, have are pretty heavy on their own internal operations. And again, just like us, we're advising our clients to be open-minded to different OEMs, different brands, different models, do the same thing, you know, and I'm, I'm a believer in spec what you expect. Don't be afraid to try something new and take a look at it. Get feedback from, you know, your drivers, giving them a voice. So again, just be open-minded. Don't be afraid to try something new. And a lot of times we all try something new. It may not have the impact we hope, but then we move on to something different. And so we're super passionate about that approach. Yeah, I like I like that you brought up the drivers because I do think that that's an element of making fleet decisions that's not incorporated often enough. And we're really at a time, as you mentioned, there's labor shortages, so you can't afford to step on toes in places like that because filling that position is harder than it's ever been before. And so could you talk through some of the like, so if somebody's trying to find ways to reduce their fleet costs or they're cutting budget expenses, um, there's a possibility that they cut something that drivers find valuable. Um, and so trying to figure out like the perceived value versus the actual value of certain things and making sure that you weigh that in. Yeah, so I think depending on the size of fleet and the environment of the client that as we become more and more familiar with them, and even if it doesn't happen early on, we can bring a small group together of key stakeholders. Because what happens, right? We make a change, we think it's going to have this impact, but then driver A gets a little frustrated because it slowed down him and now he's out in the field longer and he's not able to provide the service that everyone expects. And then now maybe he or she is a little vocal to their peer, which then kind of cascades. And so now you have a not the most positive uh, perceptions because they're hearing it real time through someone who's potentially been negatively impacted. And, and so it goes back to that proactive communication, making sure that whatever plan we put in place day one is a plan that's, that's evolving. Um, you know, we're not looking for a three-year strategic plan. We're looking for a short, medium-term plan. And again, just having the ability to measure the data points to support those predefined objectives, goals that are established by the client and or with the help of, of us, depending on what the particular need is. But I, again, it just goes back to transparency and communication, even if it's not communicating the results that we hope to anticipate. But I just think once you identify, just to kind of recap, once you identify those goals and objectives, making sure you got a pathway to report on those or even solicit feedback through that and just making sure that we're making the progress that we all expect throughout the project. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think what you said at the start where you said, okay, so when you're going in and creating a new budget or adjusting a budget significantly, create a group of key stakeholders. And that's typically, I think, uh, when it comes to budgeting, you view that as you've got the CFO and you've got people who are in financial-based decisions. And then you've also got your accounting team, uh, which is probably the same thing. Uh, and then you've got the people who are in a fleet management decision or position. But being able to bring in people who are on the ground level actually using this stuff and who are going to be affected the most, having that as a source of input, you might not always give them what they're looking for, but having that as a source of input is valuable. And that gives you an opportunity to surface things that you wouldn't otherwise see. Sure. And I think, you know, just one more additional thought, you know, we go through these quarterly business reviews and 
And the fleet managers out there hearing the day-to-day communication from the drivers, just trying to keep everybody on the road, keep vehicles on the road, keep repair costs to a minimum. And then ultimately you have the CFO. The CFO is gonna have a little different perspective. They're not involved in the day-to-day operations, but yet they're seeing their fuel costs with a significant trajectory going in the wrong direction. They're seeing operating costs increase because vehicles are on the road longer. But I think for us, and again, with fleet management partners, they know the market. They know what labor rates should be. They know what parts pricing should be. They know not to jeopardize any key service intervals because you don't want to jeopardize warranties and things. And you want to make sure your vehicle is safe and can operate efficiently. And so there's just, there's a lot of variables. And, and ultimately, we just try to make it very simple to understand. Yeah. And I mean, again, that just proves the value of having that data and having stuff that shows. So if your operating expenses go up, you can directly tie it into this, this and this. And it's like, well, these are inevitable. Cost of fuel went up. So that's why this went up. But maybe this is an opportunity for us to to cut some costs. And then to your point that you made earlier, having that 6, 12, 18, 36 month plan allows you to start working towards a standardized thing. So it's like, okay, well, if our fleet, if we just need a bunch of pickup trucks, then we start purchasing or procuring the same type. And so that that standardization trickles down into everything that you're procuring. And I guess it becomes a little bit easier to cut some costs in that too. Right, right. And you know, the, the smaller fleets, they're focused on what the purchasing cost is. You know, they're not looking at the waves that you know, are kind of left behind with all the other operating costs that we have mentioned earlier. And so bringing all that together and then, you know, we kind of believe in the total cost of ownership. And I know there's a lot of discussion around TCO and really what that means, but it's optimizing each of those areas of spend to get that optimal cost per mile. Because that is the data point that will always catch up to you. You can't outrun it long term. I mean, all the data is going to come back and give you that data point. And so doing what you can to optimize that on the front end is just so, so critical. Yeah, absolutely. So now I want to talk about the future of the fleet industry, because I do think that despite where the economy seems right now, there are some really exciting things happening in this industry from technological advances to automation to artificial intelligence. What's something that gets you excited about the future of fleet? Yeah, so a couple of things. One, the fleet industry is continue is going to continue to grow, right? There's a, you know, when, when we started onward, we did a lot of research and we wanted to be an industry that had some great growth opportunity that, well, has matured at so many levels, but it's changing so rapidly. And we were in a position to help change rapidly as well. And so so what excites me going forward? Obviously, there's a lot of discussion of the importance of technology and having all of it integrated. The OEMs have technology, the GPS telematics solutions have technology, asset management companies have technology to bring all the data together. And I think having the ability to have that easy integration with all the data points is going to be more and more critical with each day that passes for fleet management. And I remember when I started getting into fleet management years and years ago, there wasn't much of that, right? It was a lot of spreadsheets, a lot of manual tracking. What do I do with it? And now just with the embedded OEM technology and the GPS technology and the asset management technology, there's I'm super excited about the evolution of the technology in fleet management, 
super excited about sustainability programs that are out there that we get to hear from a client that has 10 units to a client that is a public company that has some really strategic emission goals over the long term and then helping provide customized solutions for that. And I think another differentiator for us is we've got experience in the alternative fuel space. You know, we were one of the early movers, you know, with CNG and we were very involved. I mean, we looked at the time in 2009, gas prices were kind of where they're at now and natural gas and CNG prices were here. And, and people always ask me back then, well, we tried this in the 90s, right? And that doesn't ever sit too well with me. We try a lot of things. I tried a lot of things 10 years ago that I'm much better at today. And so I don't let that resistance. I'm like, okay, I understand, but things are a little different. The 90s, it wasn't about economics at the time. It was really, how do we lower our carbon footprint and how do we start doing the right thing? Um, you know, just from an overall climate standpoint. And, and it didn't gain the momentum from the local, state, and national subsidies that was needed at the time. It just wasn't cost-effective. How do you get things cost-effective at scale? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So you talked specifically about where technology is going and how we've been developing all these different data points. And the future of that is that all of those start working together and talking together. We're in an industry who is a little technology averse at times. Like there are people who they've done things away for so long and that way they felt has worked. But what are some steps that fleets can start doing right now to start benefiting from all of these data points and to start getting them to work together? I think folks get caught up on the overwhelmingness of how do I get there? How do I flip that switch? And, and again, you can't get there overnight. And so, you know, come up with a multi-phase strategic plan that fits your environment and then just building that multi-phased approach and bringing in the right stakeholders and celebrating those accomplishments along the way. And it's something we try to do as an organization as well, but I go back is you have a two or three year goal that you want to get to, but celebrate the little wins along the way. Okay, you just don't get to those goals overnight and don't be afraid to celebrate it. I might have uh, our producer of this podcast cut that answer and just like plug that into every single thing because I think that's so important just across the board is that if you only focus on where you are and where you wanna be, that can feel so daunting. But if you break it up into little things, then you know that you can see the progress, you can measure that progress, and it also just makes it feel so much more approachable and so much more actual, like something that you can attain. Sure, and this is coming from one of the most impatient people you will ever meet. I say we can't flip the light switch, but I am telling you, Zach, I love to try to flip the light switch. And, and I just say it's gonna take six months to flip that light switch. But yeah, it is a proven method, it works. And so it's just a great opportunity and a great way to think about things. So it's not so overwhelming. And I think if I can add one other thing, you know, there's just a lot of opportunities to start working through some of that, even if it's not buying new vehicles. Didn't I want to lose sight of that? Because there's ways to measure that technology from excessive idle time to driving behavior, which leads into driver safety. Again, there's just a lot of opportunities you can do managing with data today, just in overall behavior changes, but reporting on that. And again, we've got some real life experience where we've seen some great 
data supporting to achieve those goals. But, you know, you, you don't see these large energy companies communicating, I want to be zero by, you know, 2024. They're like, I want to be zero net emissions by 2040. Okay. And so now they get the back into their plan. Do they want to meet and exceed that? Yes. Do they want to manage expectations at the same time? Yes. Federal government is going to have some some regulations and some mandates. I mean, we obviously know all vehicles are so much more fuel efficient than they were 10 years ago. And that trend will continue to get better as technology continues to advance. So now there's just so much opportunity out there to not only get better and help position yourself for some of those sustainability goals by what you are doing today. And then position yourself even further to make more progress when you're allowed to put the right assets in your fleet that you can operate on a day-to-day basis. Uh, a wise man once told me within the last 10 minutes, it's not a light switch. It's something that you've got to put the plan in place and start executing strategically over the course of the, the next few years. So I appreciate that. Absolutely. My, my pleasure. You were the wise man. Uh, in, uh, in that situation, know, I, Tim. <laughs> let, let me have it for five minutes yeah. and I'm perfectly okay with that. Okay, okay, cool, cool. I do have one last question before we tie up this conversation. And I just think that it'd be especially beneficial to anybody who's listening. But do you have any words of encouragement or advice that you're offering to fleet managers that you're working with today? Yeah, just don't, don't be afraid to ask questions, be vulnerable, reach out to your peers, join organizations that allow you expertise. There's a lot of information at your fingertips. We all know that. But there's a lot of expertise around you. Awesome. Awesome. Well, again, thanks for joining us today, Tim. Uh, it was great to have you. My pleasure. I uh, really appreciate just all the words of encouragement and advice and action that you've given us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me and, and hope you have a great rest of the week. And that's the fleet code, y'all. Big shout out to Tim for sharing his expertise on operational cost. Here are a few takeaways that you can take back to your fleet. Number one, always let data guide your decision making. Number two, stay communicative and transparent to keep everyone on the same page. Number three, don't be afraid to make a change from your norms to, to really see a difference in your bottom line. And number four, set clear goals that you can measure to really gauge your fleet's success. I'll include a few additional helpful resources in the podcast description so you can take your learning even further. And if you're looking for a good way to start tracking all of your operating expenses, I'd be remiss if I didn't take a moment to plug Fleetio's all-in-one fleet management software, where you can get a real-time view into all the costs that make up a fleet, including maintenance, fuel, inventory, and more. For more details or to kick the tires with a free trial, go to Fleetio.com. We'll be back next month with another episode full of tips and tricks from other fleet vets. In the meantime, check out the rest of season two if you haven't already, and be sure to subscribe on your podcast service of choice so you don't miss any fleet code goodness. Be sure to join our newsletter and follow on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook to stay up to date on all things Fleetio and get access to all kinds of free tools and resources. 